This is Reese, and you're listening to the Point Music Podcast thingy. Hello, Reese from the Point Music News Podcast thingy. Um, I fucked up. Um, we're supposed to have a podcast with um, Lucas from Midnight Drags tonight, and um, yeah, completely forgot about daylight savings. It's a thing still. Um, because Lucas is in Melbourne, and obviously I'm here on the Sunshine Coast. Um, so, that one will have to wait. Instead, got Danny from Swimsuit Issue in. He jumped in at last minute, only because I was chatting to him. So said, hey, dude, you want to jump in and do a podcast? I mean, Swimsuit Issue just had a single come out, and, um, you know, I thought it'd be kind of cool. So, big thanks to Danny for jumping in on this one real quick. Uh, I hope you dig this one. We talk about some tour stuff and how cool pedal steel guitars are. Didn't realize it. I hope you enjoy this one. This is Danny from Swimsuit Issue. It's having me on, by the way, too, bro. Appreciate it. It's all good because we're recording right now. <laughs> <laughs> Got me. Ah, <laughs> uh, Danny. Danny from Swimsuit Issue. How are we, my man? Very well, thanks, Dude, this is like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll explain things. Like, uh, it was my fuck up because there was supposed to have a special guest. Um, his name's Lucas um, from a band called Midnight Drags in Melbourne. And guess who forgot there's daylight savings happening? Yes. Yeah, simple mistake to make. I'm making Man, stupid daylight savings. So, yeah, we fucked up. But thank you for jumping on on this because this. Uh, we've, this is, this is the shortest podcast arrangement I think I did. We managed to do this in half an hour. Nice. No, I'm, I'm, I'm well prepared. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should know the topic anyway, so we'll just, we'll just chat shit. Anyway, um, for those that don't know, I'm, I'm in swimsuit issue with Danny here, but we thought we'd just have a bit of a chat because uh, swimsuit brought out a single. Was it last week or was it this week? It was the last, last week, but yeah, things are catching on this week. Though. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, so, hey, you came out. So, um, I'll let you do the talking about it because otherwise it looks bad. So, you you explain <laughs> you explain the deal behind that song and the concept behind it because I actually only know partial stories about this anyway. Okay, okay, cool. All right, well, um, basically it was the last song that we wrote for the EP mm. or the album. Um, Tom and I were just in the garage. We were originally recording an EP. And, um, you know, because we only had like seven or so songs and I just started playing the main riff and then came up with the chord progression instantly. And then out, I just spewed the uh, lyrics, Hey You, and the, like the melody line. Um, and Tom and I both had a kind of a, um, some feelings towards some aspects in life and some, some people and some responses. So the lyrics kind of came out quite easily as well. Um, so, yeah, that was like a Friday. Um, we wrote that song musically, finished it within a session, within like a two-hour jam. I went home. I messaged Tom. Tom, write me some lyrics tonight. Get high. Smoke a joint. <laughs> send me a text. <laughs> with some lyrics so he did he got high he sent me the uh, text of the monkey in the tree line and people lines in that song and uh, yeah next rehearsal boom out it came and the song was finished and that was yeah that was the last song we wrote for the album and 
we thought, what not a better song to release for the first year? So, it's uh, straight to the point. When you chucked me in the deep end to learn all this shit, that song was literally written like three days prior to actually jamming it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the last one. I think there's only probably the end, which the original version where it was written at home, at my place, with some synths oh. and bass and guitar. That was the only song where I stewed over it for, for you know, a few weeks. But every other song was pretty much written on the spot. Um, yeah, at rehearsal and then done, done. And that's kind of how it, it worked and... Yeah. It was like it's, a dark horse came out came out from behind me, came the main single, which is which is kind of weird with how that happens. It is, yeah, absolutely. But um, we kind of felt a connection to it straight away, just the the guitars and the, just the overall groove of it. It's mm. very summertime, and we felt it would be a good single. We held off from, um, I mean, I've been in bands in the past where it's all about production, studio time layer upon layer of vocal auto-tune just the whole works make it sound polished make it sound professional this time around we kind of thought no fuck it let's go old school Mm. like the old uh, blood sugar sex magic by the chilies it's just it's just done live like rick rubin he's one of my favorite producers and he just tries to get the performance out of the artist or the band and it's all about the performance and that's kind of what Steve Summers from Stonewax and Yamanui Studios um, sold it to us. He said, I just want the best performance from you guys. That's, that's it. So, yeah, Hey You is basically all performance. There's no touching up. There's no prettiness to it. The guitars are raw. The vocals are raw. I think uh, there was one little bit of synth I think I added to it. I don't think I added Everything's that much. Good. I think there was only like one layer of synth I think I actually added to that. From memory, you did in the bridge. Part. Yeah, that made it sick. <laughs> that made it epic. Um, we actually came in the studio the next day. You'd done it at home, yeah. And uh, I'd come in early to the studio. And Steve's like, Oh, look what Reese just said. He played it through. I was like, Oh, yeah, that's sick. <laughs> that's, that's epic. Works. It takes it away. It's uh, yeah, it's so samey samey, and it has a drop. Yeah, it comes in. And, that's a good little build up, that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good vibes, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I want to talk about the recording process, basically, because it was a different one for me coming in there and doing, um, instead of doing track by track, which is what I've been doing for the last 10, 15 years. We're, we're live tracking, mm-hmm. man. That felt yeah. good, though. It did. It did. I've, um, I'm like you. I've been in bands. I've, um, I've done the whole thing for... Uh, probably as long as you have and um, been in some big studios and worked for some big time producers and it's always been track by track part by part pressure's on it's not as fun it's not as creative this was a total uh, I think I've only in my life once recorded this way which was at the very start at, at this little studio yeah. in town in Western Sydney and, yeah. um, it was like we had Half a day to record five songs. And it's like, we rehearsed them, rehearsed them, rehearsed them, went in there, recorded them, and just did our best performance. And that's what, yeah, this was. It was basically get our shit tight at rehearsals, mm. know what we're doing, and then go in there. And we had, we had a rule of three takes per song. And if you don't get in the third take, then you just roll with the best one. So every performance was giving it our all with every song, all of us. And um, I think it shows through. There's no auto tune. 
there's pitchy vocals, but that's what we wanted. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it worked out well. It's an old school record. It's got that. It's got a bit of a punk vibe happening. Like, like not not you, what you think of like with skate punk and that sort of like an old old Saints kind of punk kind of vibe to it. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, yeah, some of favorite bands like Helmet and um, yep, all the Mike Patton stuff basically. Yeah, that's they're, they're, they're the influences from for me, and I think Tom's big into tool. Mm. Um, I got him into Faith No More and stuff, but he loves stuff like Primus. And again, there's baselines you play, like in Humans of Shit. Yeah. It's very Primus. It sounds like Primus. Um, influences it heavily. And hmm. yeah, that's kind of what we're going for. They're just that raw. 90s vibe, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to pinpoint a genre when you're trying to sell this thing a lot of the time, so I'd just basically go old indie. I think that's the only thing I can explain it as. Yeah, exactly. It's just, yeah, indie. Yeah. yeah. Indie from the truest meaning, which is independent, doing it yourself. Because we re- recorded, te- technically speaking, we recorded this in what, in th- two, two or three days? It was, it was basically two and a half days of tracking. Yeah, um, and then the rest of it was all... Bits and pieces added to it. That's right. Yeah, we just, we got Dora Jackson in to do some vocals. Um, got Steve on the mellow Mel- melodica. The melodica. Yeah. Melodica. Yeah. And then we uh, sent the tracks off to Jai, Perry, Banks, um, Steel, and Hearts to do some pedal deal. I'm a big country fan, so pedals. Yeah. It's always my brain to. That shit's, music. that shit's eerie as fuck when you're listening to it, though. It just adds that sort of, like, ghost kind of vibe. Particularly, like, no one else is going to hear these songs just yet, but um, particularly with um, Hit It With You and The End, it, yeah, it's creepy. I like it. <laughs> oh, it is. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I actually bought a pedal steel. I had a... Um, I bought a secondhand 1970s Showbud, which is a Nashville brand of pedal steel, and I started to teach myself. But to pay for recording, I had no money, so I had to sell it, oh. which was a big regret because I lo- it's my favourite instrument in the world. And uh, I sold it to pay for recording, and I will get one again one day. I will. It's like waiting in my as well. Like, oh, <laughs> no pressure to make money off this. <laughs> no, I'm talking when I'm, uh, when I'm retired. I'm, oh. I'll eventually buy a pedal steel again. It's the best instrument. I love it. It's, yeah, it's. Uh, I've never it's even cool. played. I've never even contemplated playing one. Oh man, it's it's more of a mind fuck than anything. It's technically, it's if you can pick with your right hand. Yeah, you can do it. If you can even kick half fast, and you can operate the pedals and learn the basic chords. With a, with a slide and, and that's it. It's easy. You can make it sound good and make it sound like to the average layman, oh, yeah, this guy knows how to play. But um, as soon as you start, I, went, I took it to a band. I joined a country band and um, I had this vision of starting this like old country band like Wilco, mm. Ryan Adams vibes, Whiskey Town. And um, I just wanted to play pedal steel and write songs. So I could do all the songs where I play guitar and sing. But as soon as I tried to follow a band with pedal steel, it was just, uh, it's just next level commitment from your brain to follow the changes. And this pedal does that. Oh, it's, it's just incredible. You need arranging. 
Yes. Oh wow. Yeah. So what what are the yeah. pe- what are the actual pedals do? They kind of like like uh, like like a piano thing where it's like pressing a chord and, and is, is that what the pedal still does? Oh no no no! They, they basically bend it up. They uh, like a whole tone. Oh, so it makes that that makes that. Kind of, well, I thought the slide did that. No, the slide gives it the tone. Yeah. But the pedals basically. Uh, so you play a G chord. Yeah. On a slide, you step on the A and the B pedals, so the one and the two. So yeah. uh, you can have up to twelve pedals, but you step on the A and the B, and that turns it from a G to a C. So it just takes it up that whole step. And then you can go to A and then step on the A and the B, and it's E. Or you can step on one pedal and go slide up to the fifth fret, and all of a sudden it becomes a step on one pedal. It's an E minor, and then you take that pedal off, and it's an A. It's just incredible. Like it's. I've never even and, never even fathomed this is how this fucking instrument works. Oh man, it's incredible. And you've got these other levers on your right hand side on your knee. We operate it with your knee, and it drops it down a half a semitone <laughs> or it's it can make it a flat, so you can go from an A and you hit it with your knee, and all of a sudden it's an A flat. And yeah, so that's what gives you all that movement. And it's an incredible so that- instrument. And, that would explain as to why you don't hear any fast shit on on pedal steel. It's it's basically all that sort of like eerie kind of slow moving sort of. Oh, uh, it is. It is in our genre, but when you listen to country music, they those guys. That's what I'm saying. Man, they are the best country guitarists yeah. and country pedal steel players. Are the the best of the best of the best of the best. Like the dude that played on our record, Jai. Yeah. He's got some videos on YouTube of his band he plays in with his brother and a few other people. And he also plays with Charlie Collins, who's with um, Mirror Music, yep. who's got a gang of youth, Brad Cox, those sort of people. He plays on all their records and he plays the fastest, um, uh, like, picking with his right hand, like, like banjo picking. And then on his hand, and his pedals, he's like, it's just, it's like they basically play metal. They could play. These dudes can play metal. That's yeah. They they actually put metal players not to shame, but they own metal players. Country players definitely own metal. Well, no, I've I've considered that of particularly particularly country drummers, man. Like a lot of people, a lot of people sort of like I'm not a country fan, but I know how hard they actually work. Particularly keyboard players in country genre. Yeah, it's it's very um, how are you disciplined. It is, yeah. It's, it's all about discipline. It's knowing your theory. It's knowing your charts. It's um, knowing how to sit on the snare, behind the snare, in front of the snare, in, in the groove, in front of the pocket. It's it's knowing everything and it's knowing. Um, I, I said to Jai when he was on the record, I was like, um, on this song, I need a haunting sound and I need to be behind the beat. And I sent him the track. Yeah. He sends it back. Done. Yeah. Perfect. And that's it. And he's just, yeah, and those Nashville players are just insane. So I have a big admiration for country music, like traditional country, not yeah. just pop shit. No, no, no. The, the Proper. Stuff, yeah, yeah. Proper, yeah. Absolutely. I'm going to have to look at these YouTube part. videos. Oh, I'll send you some links. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you will. You'll dig it. <laughs> A new appreciation for, for musicians, I think. <laughs> well, it's taken me a while, man, because I, I just can't. I just can't do country. Like I, I'll listen to some fringe stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, like I, I just can't do it. But yeah, I'm keen now. You see, I never used to. 
I hate. I've got. A, I got a hate, not a hate, but I do not like pop country. I just to me nah. it's just cheesy shit. Yeah, yeah. But old school country when you hear the guys playing um, pedal steel and guitar and just the musicianship, yeah. and it's just got a vibe to it. And yeah, if I'm walking the dog on the beach with a beer, yeah, oh, nothing, nothing better than some old fifties or sixties country just chilling. That's good. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Some of my favourite um, metal or thrash guitarists are big country fans too, like um, Dimebag. Dimebag, yeah. Well, I was going to say, yeah, Pantera is the first band that comes to mind that I actually respect country. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, even Soulfly and Sepultura. Um, From Mexico. Big really? Do country. Cavalier, absolutely he was, yeah. Is, uh, huh. It's big in those, those Spanish-speaking countries, South American countries. They um, they do love country music. Hectic. Never never would have pegged that at all. Oh, I, mean, I was in Mexico um, a couple of years ago with the missus before we had a child, mm. and everywhere we went, it was country, like old-school country music in all the bars and the clubs, and you get cover bands there, and they're playing old-school, like Glenn Campbell songs and um, Johnny Cash Hank Williams and that sort of stuff too. Hank Williams yeah, yeah exactly all that sort of stuff and they just add in their, their flavour you know a bit of um, accordion and what have you so fucking yeah. mind blown I would never have pegged that <laughs> so there you go there you go um, a lot of people don't realise like because even though Swimsuits are a relatively new band um, I mean, like I said, you've been doing this for quite some time. So, I mean, you've shared touring stories with me and likewise with me, with you, but like you don't have to drop names or anything like that, but it's been some pretty fucking funny shit that you've, you've, you've seen and done. So you, mm-hmm. what, what would come to mind? Like first. Oh, funny shit. The funniest thing I ever did was in Brisbane. And uh, the artists we were playing with or supporting um, was staying at the Sofitel. And at the time, that was, I think it was the Sofitel in the chat. No, yeah, it was the Sofitel in Brisbane. who had a water fountain in the reception area. And um, so, yeah, we finished the gig. Everyone's back there. And um, we, I went up to the room and got some uh, dishwashing liquid or shampoo or something like that. <laughs> came back downstairs and poured it all in the water fountain. And next thing you know, the bubbles are overflowing through reception and they're just growing, growing. It's like a mutated monster. It's just exploding and growing and just a whole fire. And, um, yeah, <laughs> but the road crew that was like the, the art, the managers and all those dickheads are all gone. It was just the road crew from art. Hanging around with us and the artist herself, and they thought it was a funny shit. <laughs> no, he's staying with us. They tried to pick me out. He's staying with us. He's fucking awesome, man. Yeah, that was pretty good. So. Uh, that beats any of the random um, shit I've done. Yeah, I mean, that was the most random shit. Yeah, I mean, like, there's been plenty, but um, I flown in a hotel room in Canberra one time. We were on tour and went out for drinks after we played. We were on tour with, I think it was Kiss Chasey and Gyroscope, mm. and we were opening. We were in Adelaide, and no, we were in Canberra. We had to go to Adelaide the next day, that's right. And then um, finished playing the gig. I got absolutely blind, just 
ridiculously blind. And then somehow I'd, I'd thrown up that night whenever I was in bed back in the room. I'd come back later and thrown up everywhere and clogged up the sink. Oh. And then I'd try to clean it with tissue. <laughs> and then I'd left the tissue in the sink and left the tap on. So then, and there was no drainage in the apartment. And that's how I got out of it, was because it overflowed, flooded the entire floor. Oh. Everyone's clothes were wet. Apparently, my um, phone was sitting on a pile of towels on charge away from home. Right? <laughs> everyone else's shit was flooded. <laughs> and um, so, God, next day, everyone's shit's fucked. We drove to Adelaide, hanging our jeans out, like um, putting them between the window and the window seal doing up the window, so they're just flapping around. And um, when we got back to Sydney, our managers rang me and said, oh, the hotel wants to charge you for damages to the floor. And, um, the water's seeped through and damaged all the concrete. And they had no drainage there in the shower area. It was just tile and there was no drainage. So we got out of it that way because there was wow. no drainage. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so that was a kind of a real story, I guess. And then... Another one's probably just recording with um, Rock, at Rockfield Studios in Wales, which is where Oasis did definitely maybe Paramore had like there was this couch and above the couch was a ceiling about uh, a couple of inches above where your head would sit and mm. on an angle upwards and all the bands that recorded there had written a message or signed the name. There was an Oasis Paramore Freddie Queen, it was a studio and it's just a farmhouse with a big um, cavernous room where you could record drums and get one and got the um, when the levee breaks drum sound from that room. Oh, that, yeah, it's just a big room, and yeah, that's where he pulled that. And Oasis did definitely. Um, oh, geez, everyone. It was just this epic studio. And we recorded with this guy called Steve Osborne who did Underworld. Yep. And Underworld did Born Slipping, so, yep. that old song on train spotting, um, Katie Tunstall, yep. people like that. And that was that was pretty epic. And then, yeah, meeting Butch Big as well. That was pretty sick. That'd be on my bucket list to meet, man. He looks like a, yeah. Yeah. one of my favorite producers. Oh, I, he's, 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 yeah, he's unreal. And I, I did the old fanboy thing and I was like, oh, here's my CD. Can you listen to it? We just released a single and, yeah. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I got to hang with him and Shirley Manson. <laughs> I think that would be the easiest thing to do is just actually not give him anything, just talk to the guy and basically and, and then, then get him drunk and then hand the CD and then, then just leave it at that. Maybe, but yeah, I was taking the Dave Grohl route. Like, oh, maybe if I'm just out there and just, you know, giving my CD. My manager's putting me on to like, fucking Archie, you've got to fucking give him your CD. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, most of the time, most <laughs> of the time they don't awesome. give a shit, though. No, they don't know. He, he just played a gig. He was playing garbage at the time. Yep. And, um, yeah, it was like a it was a garbage gig, and he was with Shirley Manson, but he was also out there for Faith and also got to see both shows, which was uh, sick. And, yeah. yeah, that would have been pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, I think I did see Faith and More and Garbage at the same time when the, they may have played Soundwave together. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I did too. Yeah, that was yeah. a few years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. talking like fucking six or seven years ago. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Wow. Those, those festivals, shit, I hope they bring them back. <sighs> we'll equivalent, see. Equivalent to that anyway. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, yeah, they may bring download back, but we probably won't see that for another two years. No, exactly. Um, Bring home my gallery time. Oh, yeah. Well, now's the prime time to do that, given that, like, there's no international touring we'll artists. We're Australian artists. Yeah. Exactly. Easily. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up with you, because um, you're all the bands you, well, from what I know of, you were basically a guitarist and you weren't the main singer-songwriter, I think, right? No, no way. I've always been a songwriter, but I've never ever sang. I um, cringe at my voice. I've been shot down my whole life when I do sing. That sounds terrible. So it's kind of a thing I've had to battle and try and overcome. So how did you do that? um, I think Tom was a big part of it, to be honest. Um, So I just wanted to write music and Tom, Tom and I played in a band together and just it didn't move as fast as we'd like it to or as uh, committed as we wanted it to be. And Tom hit me up one day and asked me if I'd be interested in just having a jam. And I was like, yeah, sure. I didn't think of anything of it. I was like, yeah, let's go there. I learned some covers because I was like, let's, yeah, you just learn some covers so I've got something to play. And pretty much we rocked up, plugged my amp in. I think we, I started jamming on an old riff I had. And um, then out of nowhere, Attic came, the riff for mm. it. I tuned down to D, just dropped D, started playing the riff. And we wrote the song that day in about 20 minutes. And um, I hated my voice. I was like, no, I sound like shit. And constantly, the whole time from that point on till now, even now, he still does it. He's like, your voice is you, bro. And who gives a fuck if people dig it or not like that's your voice no one can imitate it so just be yourself and he's been for such a young guy Mm. he's been the biggest influence on uh that side of my musical journey as far as coming out of my shell and i've always been a big performer with a guitar man but when it comes to singing i've never done it before yeah i I can't even do it in front of my partner or my uh, parents or anyone i just go into a shell so, yeah, Tom's definitely helped that. That's for sure. So, yeah, he's a big part of it. <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been in plenty of bands or I have been friends with plenty of bands where the, the singer wasn't a singer per se, but they, mm-hmm. even though they struggled with their own confidence in it, they still went ahead and did it. And it's actually, they have their own signature sound. Like, it, it's a very identifiable tone so as soon as that band is, is playing like if they were recording you go fuck i know that i know that band straight away yeah totally because it's your voice it's yeah you can't imitate that there's there's a million guys out there that like on those tv shows that, yeah they've got amazing voices and there's a million bands in bands that sound the same but i guess but if, if you're all if you're all like singing the same sort of style they all blend into me like there's so many artists that i hear on on a certain sort of radio station that I couldn't tell the difference between either one. I would say that was one band and go, oh, no, it's this other band because the vocal styling's the same because either they've either listened 
one's been the the forefront the other one's come up behind it and gone oh, we want to sound like that or they've been in the same right. circle and they just basically ad ad adapted each other's stylings and it just it, it gets same oh, same yeah. 100 percent. like i grew up in the emo scene like that was my oh, thing. Yeah. every every you know every band sounds like it's like a pop punk or emo but it blends in together so yeah, like every every set you'd see i wanted to be burnt and cracking from the years yeah and then on the other side you had everyone else that wanted to be um tom delong or mark hoppus and that was it everyone sounding the same like we played you know one dollar short gyroscope kiss jersey they all they all like apart, you know. There's not many that stand out. They're all same, 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 same. Well, including the other yeah. Same. I would, I would say gyroscope sound a little bit different because I've actually been a bit of a fan of them for quite some time. They're very ocker, but then Kiss Chasey would have a very similar sort of sound too. And um, oh, what's the other band that was around the same time? <sighs> Last is Hero Bodyguard. No, <laughs> yeah, no, Body Jar definitely. Really? I know it's them and Friends will definitely have their own sound. No, there was not. There was Jarvis yeah. Kiss Chasey, and there was a Motorace. Oh, no, yeah, I love Motorace. Yeah, yeah. See, those bands are all the they're, they're all at the forefront. It's not, I'm not talking about those bands sounding the same. Like Jarvis Kiss Chasey, completely. Different. But the bands those coming up, bands that, yeah, we all, including us, we yeah. tried like our singer tried to sound like like those guys. I I played riffs like them. It was the, our drummer tried to play you know pop punk beats or like Pennywise beats. You know, it was just yeah, we try and be who you want to, who your heroes are. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess it's the same now. If I, yeah, there's there's not many people that just do what is natural. And just don't give a shit about trends. They just do what comes. You got to hit a certain and, age point without being ageist, but you you got to reach a certain age point where you just go. I, we just want to play the music that we want to play, and not want to sound like someone else. Yeah, I think that's definitely got a big part to play in it. And then otherwise, if you're lucky, you've got someone that just pushes you, and like that's where I'm lucky. He's Tom. Yeah. He's just he doesn't give a shit. He's just he just pulls me down to earth. Every time I, I write a song, like I wrote a um well he hasn't been involved in this one, but I started writing a song today and the whole time I think it's because of what he's going through at the moment, I was thinking, What would Tom say? What would Tom say? Every time I started writing a part. And mm. it's this basically a synth pop, dream pop, shoegaze type track, really mellow and um yeah, it's it, I love it. It's a it's a fucking beautiful song, and I haven't thought about what sounds cool or anything. I've just done, and I've the whole time I thought, what would Tom say? And that's my motivation. So, yeah, that's I think that's a way forward. <laughs> I guess I'm going what on. To, I guess I'm going on the synth for that one, huh? Yeah, well, I've, I've, I've written <laughs> synth. It's just it's just basically chords. It's just basic chords. But that, that's the other thing, like writing on piano. Like, it's something new to me, and mm. I've done it for for a while now. I've done it with like the end and songs like that, and the chord progressions you can come up with from a piano compared to a guitar. Because you're thinking and differently. Then you, then you, yeah, you just yeah, you're feeling it. You're just like, oh yeah, that's that's nice. And then I use logic like you do. Yeah. So. You do the shape that sounds nice, and then it tells you what chord it is, and it's like G minor fifth. Oh, sweet! And then you translate it to guitar, and it's like, oh, I never would have thought of coming up with these chord progressions. Like I never even try it because they're weird chord shapes. So piano just becomes this whole new beast. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually used to have an upright um, 
that I managed to get my hands on before I lived lived in the house I live in now. I had had it for a good ten years, I think, and it was mm -hmm. wasn't properly tuned, so it was slightly. It was like a half flat. But it, it kind of had a real eerie tone to it when you were playing it like that. So it's, it's kind of like dropping everything down half a, half a step. <clears throat> it sounds different, but playing half a flat was really weird. Yeah, but yeah. I, f I fucking loved it. Nice. Yeah, you can't imitate that. No. Oh, that's the problem with recording. I guess you can't. You can't yeah, it'd be hard to find everything to match into them, but well yeah you, yeah, you, you could play an in, in, in interpretation of it it's, it's the same as like um fucking polly when when kurt recorded that for for nevermind that was played on, mm -hmm. on a uh porn store guitar that had five strings on it, it was beaten up and sounded like yeah. shit but um and butch fig go back to that basically managed to get this yeah. sound of it and kurt left it in the tuning that he fucking got it in from what i remember yeah and, that's right yeah, yeah exactly and you can't replicate that no but that's the, that's all. that's the beauty a lot of people don't realize that when it comes because because this is going back to the whole live tracking thing and mistakes and human the, the human element to creating music mm -hmm. yeah, yeah the funny thing man is sorry no no okay. <laughs> um one thing i've come up against over the years is like a lot of blogs um zines and what have you these days i guess it's probably just the amount of music they're flooded with yeah and the ease of access to, to music they, I, I, I send in my music to um, to a lot of blogs through Submit Hub, and the responses you get, it's like, are these guys producers? Yeah. Because they talk like they're a producer. Yeah. And, you know, the vocals, vocals are a bit pitchy on that. It needs a bit more compression. It's like, when the fuck did a, a music zine when you were growing up comment on production days? <laughs> compression, or even they, know what a fucking compressor was in the first place. That's, that's right. It's like, fuck me. I don't mean, care how the vocal sounds. We're punk. This song's a fucking punk song. So I don't mean, care how the vocal sounds. I just don't get it. And it's, it's kind of sad in a way. It's just because yeah. the whole industry is, it, it hasn't evolved. It's gone backwards and it's, it's sad. It's, um, a music needs to get back to what it originally was. Like, the, you listen to an old Beatles recording. The recording quality is terrible. Like it's, you could do it at home in your garage, mm. but you actually couldn't because back then they did it with the means they had, yeah. and they made the best of what they could. Whereas now you can make it sound like, you know, you can you can record an R and B top forty song in a garage, and get it mixed and mastered, and it sounds like you know, like a Jay Z song. Yep. But that, yeah, it just, <clears throat> I think, yeah, it's 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 getting ruined, and I think. Yeah, well, that's why I wanted to do this album, I guess, is just to take it back to the old days, just where it's all about you, you've run a budget, this is how you record, it's all done in one hit, and you perform the best you can perform, and that's how, that's how you are. Mm. And, yeah, I think we nailed it. <laughs> and fuck the blogs. Yeah. <laughs> well, I stopped using Submit Hub, like, probably about two or three years ago. I, I used mm -hmm. them once for Barefoot, and they don't like reggae <laughs> yep. at all. You got to be playing either like some kind of shoegaze sort of stuff, trap, 
or some kind of electro pop or something like well, that. Can I butt in? I'll butt in there. Yeah. So I sent the song The End, right? The original version. I had a, a good buddy of mine, Tom Pringle, who's a um, like he's a pro surfer, he's a musician, he does a lot of work for Nixon and stuff. I had him do some synth, some old school synth, proper analog synth um, programming mm-hmm. with the patching and everything on the track. And I did it in my bedroom and it was done just on a budget and there was a lot of care taken on the project but you know it wasn't a lot of money spent and nowhere near as much care or rehearsal or anything as what i've done with the album Mm. but that song got a shit ton of um feedback and response and reviews and everything from submit hub like everything was good every every person i submitted to they were like yeah we want to do a feature on this i want to do this there's no there's barely any rejections and that, there's fuck all can taken on that and then you get this album where you put it out and you put everything into it mm. and because it's not cool because that was cool you see it was it was bedroom lo-fi yeah yeah even though, even though the song quality, like the song's on there, it's a, it's basically me speaking into a microphone, being quiet because I didn't want to make my newborn baby up because I've got a child. So I was like, I just sing lyrics like this because I don't want to wake the family up. And that's how I sang the song. was basically spoken like that. And that's it. No care given. And they love it. So it just, it's just all about the stepping. Yeah. Yeah, perception. Perception. They probably figured I was like, oh, he's just like Mac DeMarco in his bedroom, just, just yeah. coming out songs. I, I, I sent like Butch Teeth, so Mules' first single. I did. I did that through Submit Hub, and I just got all. I got fucking roasted. <laughs> and yet, it's yeah. our most played song. Yeah. Um. They yeah, they said, it. "Oh, you guys are ripping off Filter," and I just went. Mm. Not really. I mean, I can understand mm. that that little riff going on there. And, they, and one of them actually said, actually, oh, I'm pretty sure it's the same riff. And I just went, you don't know anything, but okay, cool. Um, it just sometimes they pick on the vocals, like you were saying earlier, but they're like the pitchy or compression or like mm-hmm. that sort of shit, which I hardly ever hear from Nathan. One of them said, oh, he, um, he sounds like he's... he's He's ten foot tall, and and but he, but he, they were roasting off at the same, like roasting at the same time, and I can't remember exactly what it was. And yeah. I told Nathan, Nathan's shorter than me. He's like five foot five. He's this tiny little dude. He's just got a big voice on him. Yeah. And he just listened. He goes, "What? They don't know what they're on about." I'm like, "Yeah." Most of the time, though, you got to remember these blog writers are between the age of sixteen to like maybe mid twenties. Hmm. And they've become the tastemakers somehow. Yeah, 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 totally. But the funny thing is, you go play a gig like um, the, the the most the, the most satisfying thing I've ever had in my whole career. Like everything I've ever done in music, I said this the other day to Tom, was um, we played our first show at the Greaser. Yeah, and I thought it was a shit show. People didn't get it. We um, I played my heart out. You did. Tom did. We rocked out, and I like the response just was like. Well, to be fair, it's still COVID, and that did sit there. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, it was COVID, and we're playing with a blues band and a 
total synth pop band. Yeah. But yeah, it was like this. It's you know, I didn't give a fuck. I was just rocking shit out. But then um, the next day, I got a couple of followers on Instagram, and I messaged them and said, "Oh, like thanks for the follow. How did you find out? And we were at your gig last night. You guys were the best band by far. It's my first time I've ever been to a live show. I'm only 18, and um, like it was amazing. You guys are great when you're playing again next." And then, sure enough, like I've kept in touch for the last couple of months. They came to our next gig and watched the whole gig and wrote to us personally afterwards. Like they, they said it after the gig that you guys are great, but then they wrote another message afterwards saying, that's fucking sick. We're definitely, when are you guys playing again? We're going to bring a crew next time. You guys are so good. And that is mm. fuck the reviews. Fuck the submit. That's proper that's fans, good. proper followers. That's it. And they're, you know, they're 18 years old. They love the sound. They love everything about it. And it's like, you guys play great music. We just want to be part of it. And that's it. And then that makes me feel like, well, that's why I do it. <laughs> that's the reason exactly. why we still continue doing what we're doing, yeah. Exactly. That's uh, the real connection. It's not that fake. Hey, we've got a review on this blog. It's, hey, these guys saw us live and love it. So that's what really matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that said, like, it was actually pretty cool to see that um, how you got put on to um, Domestic Lala's like, playlisting on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, with June Rats and all those guys, which I yeah, love June Rats. They're good fun. Like, they're like today's friends, basically. That's how I see them. Like, yeah, I can see I that. I grew up on friends. It's just good fun, good times. And yeah, ooh, party, you know. Oh, my God, I'm not cheese relaxed. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, we just hit the 40 minute mark nice yeah We'll wrap this up. Um, yeah. I'll have a quick tattoo as a bit of a debrief as I do after all this sort of shit. But, um, yeah, thanks mm-hmm. for jumping in last moment because that was – I was ready to go and then realised, yeah, I fucked up. But, yeah, got one. No. All good. Thanks for jumping in, man. Thanks, Adam. Uh, all good. No, thanks, Adam. Oh, and um, I'll, I'll put the link to Hey You and Spotify link in, in the description mm-hmm. below. Um I'm trying to think when we're playing on the coast next because we were going to, but we're not now. So it won't be yeah, on next year. We will. We've definitely got uh, things in the works. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Bris- Brisbane, um, Brisbane in next month. Oh, the Goldie, Goldie next month. Yeah. December 11. Um, in May, change just because we just don't know what's going on with Tom. Yeah. By the way, there's going to be some gigs. Um, I've spoken to like Tyson and. Um, and two years, like wants me to run that thing, so yep. like, cool. yeah, we'll be playing games. <laughs> it's all good, <laughs> cool, man. But yeah, I think everything is on hold now for probably at least till January, I reckon. Yeah, all right, hang on the line, man. I have a quick chat to you after that, ladies and gentlemen. Danny, swimsuit issue legend, <laughs> thanks, guys. Again, uh, big thanks for Danny from swimsuit issue for jumping in on this one. Uh, at last minute um if you enjoyed this podcast and other ones in the series do remember to do the subscribe button i'm not going to do the thing anymore 
just press the subscribe button means a lot and also means that you'll be notified when a new one goes live uh, i've got more coming up until the end of the year i'm getting pretty flat out with it so yep stay tuned big love for, for you for supporting this uh, thank you for supporting local music live music australian music all types of music you guys are legends Cheers.